Hey everyone, it's Alan Schimmel and you're listening to another DevOps Chat. DevOps Chat today uh, is going to be a good one. We have with us Andrea C. Martinez, who is the CTO for DevOps for IBM's Hybrid Cloud. Andrea, welcome to DevOps Chat. Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. Thank you. Did I get did I get that all right? So uh, I'm, I'm mostly known as Andrea C. Martinez, but I've recently gotten married. So my new last name is Andrea Crawford. Okay. Different last name, different last name, but the same cowboy hat. So I always wear my cowboy hat in my profile pics. If you got the hat, you got the right gal. That's the right Andrea. Okay. <laughs> No, no hyphen Martinez hyphen Crawford or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that fancy. It's it's uh, just Crawford. I got to tell. I just got back from China last week, and I was with my partner. I am most of one of the co-founders of the DevOps Institute, and my co one of my co-founders there, Jane Grohl, is actually now Jane Grohl Ray because she's also recently remarried, and uh, what a mess on the you know. Hats off the <laughs> getting your passports done and redone and what name to use because you know it has to match exactly and all your other ideas. It's I, I didn't well, realize what a what a Alan that that's why we get the diamonds in our I range. guess so. Yeah, and well deserved. Anyway, congratulations on your recent marriage. But we're gonna talk DevOps and we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, modern applications here today. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. Great. All right. So I should mention that we have a webinar coming up on June 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern time on this topic. And, and really, this chat is just sort of a lead into the full hour long webinar. And um, that webinar is on DevOps for uh, application modernization. And We'll put the link to it in our show notes here, but if you find what we're talking about today interesting, by all means, check out the webinar. But let, let's dive in. So, Andrea, let's talk a little bit about modern applications versus non-modern applications. Do we have archaic applications? Are they obsolete applications? What, what do we mean when we say a modern application? Yeah, I think to, uh, and by the way, I like your uh, uh, archaic uh, <laughs> a reference there. Um, I think to really appreciate the modern application, we really have to understand how applications used to be designed and built um, not all that long ago. So if I were to go back to the N minus one generation of applications, I could make some pretty broad characterizations of how they were designed, built, and delivered. So if we were to like take it back to around the late Clinton era, post.com boom, World Wide Web and the internet, um, they were, you know, that was really becoming the network platform where enterprises were exposing business function and really more of a nascent digital economy. Um, so some of the characteristics of what I'll call heritage applications were, um, number one, they were monolithic. So um, applications lived on these things called application servers, typically running on maybe like higher end commodity infrastructure. Think like uh, x86 power hardware with large amounts of uh, disk and memory 
Um, we had big centralized databases um, and these memory hog application servers. Um, so the applications uh, ran inside these uh, app servers and they were fairly monolithic. That means they, they basically bundled the, um, the presentation or the view, the business logic, um, and the and the and the uh, data model uh, uh, components all together. Um, the the second characterization I would say for for heritage applications was that they they lived on these app servers that um, resided on these sort of heavyweight operating systems. And although at the time Linux was very much on the scene overall, the trust in Linux was not yet solidified. So you had these operating systems that were sort of these, you know, enterprise server, big and bold editions of this OS. And it was pretty prevalent, you know, um, Windows and proprietary Unix based operating systems pretty much ruled the day. Um, and number three, the, um, in, in terms of the infrastructure, um, on-premise data centers ruled the roost. I mean, virtualization technologies around, we had this notion of uh, uh, logical partitions, LPARs, VMware, virtualization, but it was mostly a hardware OS story, okay? Uh, and, then, and then we had, um, in terms of looking at the actual uh, heritage applications themselves, we had the rise and dominance of function-rich languages like Java and .NET because the application server middleware pretty much dictated the language of what mm -hmm. an application was coded in, right? So we still have a lot of these skills around today. And then I think the last characterization of a heritage app was in the way that they were delivered. So we had the waterfall delivery, uh, very sequential, big bang releases with siloed organizations, dev uh, teams didn't really talk to the operations teams and having that kind of silo was pretty much the norm. So that's how I would sort of characterize the heritage job uh, applications. Yeah, dead on for me, Andrea. I know we didn't talk about this, but in my background, um, I had started a web hosting company in those dot-com days and I sold it to a company that and started to work with them. And we were one of the first big, what they called ASPs, if you remember mm -hmm. those days, application service provider. And um, so this is, we wound up doing the whole IPO and all of that. This is 1997, 98, 99, 2000 into 2001. And Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they were glory days. We were probably one of the largest Lotus Notes if you, you know, if you believe it, <laughs> we, we were a big, yeah, all right. so picture this, we are, we're hosting, we are offering hosted Lotus Notes uh, as a service. There's not even, it's not even IBM WebSphere yet. I think it was still Notes server. And, Domino? Uh, yeah, yeah, Domino. Uh -huh. No, it wasn't even Domino. What came before Domino? Um uh, I mean, this is old. And then Domino came out and it kind of rocked our world because it was it was really a big thing for us. But there's no, you know, it was on dedicated hardware. Um, it, there was no cloud. T1 lines were about $1,200 a month. And so you had to deliver it over a T1 line. Oftentimes, you know, the, 
dedicated T1 line point to point. And then we expanded to PeopleSoft and Oracle apps and stuff like that. And what a disaster. You got to be honest. I mean, though we we went through about five hundred million dollars, a half a billion dollars in monies raised between the IPO and and so forth. Um, but it it was hard. It was really really hard. And then we tried to get into the whole custom app kind of hosting, you know, with ISVs and so forth. And you know, so what you just described, I oh, I had a deja vu that to my bones, and. Um, yeah, it, those let's. I wouldn't call those modern applications, but I I think we've done a good job. Now, contrast that though with what modern applications are like today, Andrea. Yeah, so um, so you know, there's sort of been an inflection point um, where some pretty emergent things um, have happened since those days, right? And and you know, we dealt with you know with all of those issues. Um, around the heritage environments and applications. And, and now all of a sudden, if we take a look at what, mo- what I call modern applications today, um, you know, Alan, you mentioned the cloud. Number one, modern applications live in the cloud. Um, so these applications leverage the, uh, the elastic um, infrastructure um, and platform that comes with it. Um, when we develop uh, modern applications, we, we, you've also may have heard them referred to as cloud native applications or born on the cloud applications. And, and really what, what has happened here is to leverage that type of virtualized infrastructure, we've started to break down the monolith and the op- applications that run on them. So now we're taking our bundled model view controller uh, applications and frameworks and, and we're deploying them separately as components. And hopefully um, we're, we're using architectural styles like microservices so that the monolith becomes broken down into choreographed uh, microservices that can be managed separately. Okay, so we have technologies that actually support this today. And so doc, uh, Docker, uh, Kubernetes um, are, are uh, some of the technologies that have come on the scene since that have allowed us to have a control plane and an environment to manage smaller granularity applications, which are hopefully services. So the other thing about modern applications um, that I think is interesting and has fostered the adoption um, of these uh, microservices and smaller components is the fact that the solution stack has become more and more commoditized, right? Um, And so when you think about the solution stack of network hardware, operating system, middleware layer, and so on, um, we're seeing a commoditization of the solution stack from the bottom up. Okay, uh, and 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 that is um, uh, live uh, the the whole notion of cloud computing, right? We're no longer concerned so much about CPUs and CPU architecture, uh, you know, uh, uh, x86 versus Power P series, this or that. It sort of doesn't matter as much anymore, right? And uh, because of that. Um, I think that has also fostered, um, in some cases, where critical proprietary software was not necessarily needed uh, for enterprise applications. Um, And so when you start to break down the monolith and deploy smaller 
uh, services, you're isolating your risk because you're isolating business functions in smaller code chunks that are lighter weight. And it's really analogous to the difference between deploying a 10-ton gorilla and, a, and deploying a colony of ants. If one ant dies, it's not a big deal, right? But but commoditization has even spread to the way that these little ants or microservices talk to each other with the advent of API interfaces. Um, and as long as you use uh, REST APIs over HTTP or a lightweight messaging protocol, that's pretty much the lingua franca of uh, uh, modern applications today. Um, yeah. So I think the um, I, I think there's probably you know. Um, this notion of um, componentization, and that is actually fed into the notion of polyglot programming. Uh, and so um, enabling modern apps to be programmed in just about any language. So you're no longer bounded to this big proprietary application server. Um, you can program in just about any language. And as long as you can talk, rest over HTTP or send an async message over a lightweight message hub, it sort of doesn't matter. Um, you know, you can be a Java or a .NET bigot, but hey, the new guy who knows Python and is really good at it, he can get in on the action too. It's all good. Absolutely. So, Andrea, a lot of what you, you know, there was a more than a mouthful there, but a lot of what you're talking about really is, is, describes DevOps, right? This idea of of chunking down stuff so it's not the monolith, right? And and doing small, you know, lots of smaller little things rather than one large bigger thing and learning and feedback looping and, you know, all of that. I mean, this is, it's DevOps 101, right? And, and to me, and this is, you know, I speak to a lot of people obviously around the world about this stuff. But to me, there's, there's a chicken and egg relationship between DevOps and, and modern, applica modern application infrastructure development deployment, as you've described. I don't know if you could have one without the other. I just don't know which one came fir comes first. But they're intrinsically linked, right? And, and, and this is why, you know, in my mind anyway, we need – you know, there's a special relationship, if you will, between DevOps and modern application and, and how we do modern yes. applications today. Spot on, Alan. I mean, when you think about the, the gorilla versus colony of ants analogy, mm -hmm. um, think about having to deploy the 10 ton gorilla. It's, it's typically pretty complicated, but um, it, there's a lot of dependencies and uh, release management is of utmost concern. Um, but, but, you know, deploying the colony of ants, you're deploying a lot of little things at different times. So you're achieving the multi-speed IT. If you don't have DevOps, if you don't have that kind of automation to do the build, compile, package, test, deploy, and you're doing it intra-daily, if you don't have that automated, then your, your cost case is going to fly out the window. DevOps is essential for modern applications, period. Dead on. Dead on. 
Amen. Um, you know, you're preaching to the choir here, Andrea. We're DevOps.com, but it, it really is essential. And, and there is this sort of hand in glove type of, of, of relationship. We are, as I promised you when we started, the time goes so quick, but and we, I, there's more I want to cover. So, you know, we talk about how DevOps fits into the story on the how and why of modern applications. You know, IBM has this history now, and it's, you know, as I mentioned to you, four or four and a half years ago that I launched DevOps.com, IBM was one one of the leading advocates for what was, you know, the kind of the rise of the DevOps uh, community and culture. Um, and then, you know, you guys had the, the garage method, which was really kind of, you know, intrinsically, again, all about DevOps and DevOps ways, if you will. How does all of that fit in to, you know, modernizing applications and, and the way we're doing it now? So the IBM Cloud Garage method is IBM's opinionated view on how to deliver especially modern applications. It combines agile, DevOps, lean, and our enterprise design thinking and sort of rolls it all up into this wonderful burrito of reference architectures, practices, and techniques. Um, you know, it's lunchtime, right? So I got yep. food on the mind. Um, but it's basically a way to help our clients act like a startup so that they can achieve the kind of agility that they need. So DevOps is also about organizational and behavioral changes because that's re really paramount. At the heart of our method is culture, how to organize our teams, the collaborative practices, social coding, pair programming, breaking down the silos, right? That's what DevOps is all about. Having product owners sit with the squads, right? Sit with them. You know, DevOps is a behavior story, a tool automation story, and it's all in the name of enabling business agility. Absolutely. Andrea, let me, I, I've got another just final area I want to click on, if you don't mind. And, and that is, you know, for our, our folks listening out here, and it's a worldwide audience at DevOps.com, and, and, you know, and I've traveled the world doing this, and though we all want to do DevOps, we, we move at different speeds and we're at different stages of our journey. What advice, if we can, you know, kind of give blanket advice, what, what advice around DevOps would you give to our listeners who, you know, and, and again, Andrew, this is something you probably learned, right? I wish we all had a green field to play in, but we don't. Right. We, we have brownfields and there's there's heritage apps, as you call them, and there's modern apps there's old and new, you know, fat and skinny ants and gorillas, even burritos. What 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 advice can you give our listeners on how, you know, how to deal with all of these things? I think just recognizing that you may have to approach DevOps a little bit differently depending upon whether you're modern or heritage or even somewhere in between. Um, typically DevOps for heritage applications, you're retrofitting automation in situ, right? So you're sort of bringing the automation to the app. Whereas for modern applications, you definitely wanna have a DevOps day one approach, right? Um, because, uh, you know, the, the, 
the ability to create a cloud native application and have the automation in your mind right on day one is critical. Um, but just know that, um, you know, you may have instances where you may not be able to bring a heritage application all the way to modern. You might be somewhere in between Fred Flintstone and George Jetson, right? But that's okay, right? I mean, that's real world because mm -hmm. it may not be cost effective to automate everything, but that's all right. You know, so I think, you know, we can engineer our way through some of this. Um, and, you know, there are products out there, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, hybrid cloud was really sort of the area that I was uh, focused in, in terms of DevOps. And, and we have, you know, uh, you know, proprietary products, open source products, you know, we have our urban code deploy, our IBM cloud private, that really sort of helps bridge the gap between applications living in this cloud or that cloud, whether they're modern or heritage, there is an answer. Um, it's not cookie cutter, but we have the piece parts and the emergent technologies on the scene to help navigate. Yep. Excellent. So Andrea, that, that is important for people to, to know, but where do we go? Where can people go to find out more about this? So I think the first place I would point them to is the IBM Cloud Garage Method uh, website. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be providing links yes. um, as part of the, uh, uh, the podcast references. But um, at that site, you can definitely find uh, reference architectures for DevOps, reference architectures for microservices and cloud native development. And one of my favorites, the practices and techniques that we employ with our garage method for automation, tooling, and social collaboration throughout the software delivery lifecycle. Perfect. So, Andrea, as I, as I mentioned, it goes, the time here goes so quick. It was delightful, refreshing, and fantastic having you as a guest here. I'd really, I'd love to have you, you know, we, where else are we going to learn about gorillas, ants, and everything else? I need to have you back on this show. Uh, we'll, we'll talk off mic about it, but you know, if it's not too much, and we, we're Florida neighbors, so I, you know, <laughs> love to have you back here. Uh, but we're going to wrap it up for this episode of DevOps Chat. Andrea Martinez Crawford, uh, welcome and thank you for being our guest on DevOps Chat today. We will have links to a lot of what you're speaking about in our show notes, so folks, please take a look at that. But for now, we're going to Call it a wrap on this episode of DevOps Chat. You've just listened to another DevOps Chat. Hope to see you soon, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye.